Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finances made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie. Welcome to another podcast by InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC Sports, your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley, joined by Greg Barnes and Ross Martin. And on a Friday, got some availability, got some defensive availability. But guys, I want to start with the offensive line. And we've talked about it off the air. We've talked about it over the past few months and a few years, it seems. Coach Kapilovic, Greg, has had a real struggle finding some consistent guard play and really even finding some consistent practice attendance in guard play. And I don't know if that's too harsh, but talk about that a little bit. I mean, Khalil Rogers is now back two weeks after he retired, and Carolina's still missing some key components there of the 2D. Yeah, for sure, Tommy. And it's it's such an odd thing at guard. I mean, you talk about, you know, we – Tommy Hatton was gone for an extended period of time last year, working out some personal issues. Um, he's been gone for the bulk of training camp. Uh, this month, Khalil Rogers decides, I guess, two or three days into training camp that he's going to retire. Less than two weeks later, as you mentioned, he decides to unretire and rejoin the team. Um, there was some talk of some conditioning issues coming into training camp and not practicing for two weeks. Uh, can only make that worse. Then you got Jared Cohen, who he's back, but we all know how that played out a couple years ago. Uh, and then R.J. Prince has had some, some issues earlier in his career and appeared to get things turned around last year. So uh, a lot of bodies there to, to still align from, from Ross. Yeah, when you On paper, uh, a lot of those guys look really good. Then you got some of these other issues that kind of pop up for whatever reason, some indecision, some whatever, however you want to frame personal issues. Um, definitely has been a factor. And I'll say this. I know there's a, some people on the IC message boards that have high hopes for, for this team and this offense. Coming into camp, Larry Fedora was open about this, right? You know you're going to have question marks at wide receiver, at running back, at quarterback. You like what you've got at tight end. And as long as everybody on the offensive line stays healthy and present, that group should be good. And you know, we're a couple weeks into camp now. Tight ends still look good. But now we have all this upheaval along the offensive line with guys not being here and being here. And if Bentley Spain's been out for about a week now, it's still question marks at wide receiver, still question marks at quarterback, a lot of injuries at running back. I mean, this offense is a work in progress. There's a lot that has to be accomplished quickly. This offense to be quality. And Fedora said, you know, as I mentioned before the training camp even started, he said, we're going to have to rely on the defense early until the offense can get its legs. And that's with everything working out perfectly, which has not happened thus far. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, the fact that the offensive line has had the struggles it's had, it, that doesn't bode well for how the offense is going to look early in the season. 
Ross, when I saw Rogers was back and people were talking about him missing practice, I immediately thought about Allen Iverson. Speak to what Greg's talking about. I mean, we can talk about the guys missing for whatever reason, whether it's injuries or personal reasons. They have to handle those things amongst themselves. It's surprising to me that that's occurring a lot on the offensive line when you think of those guys being usually the nastiest guys on the team. But speak to how it's really affected practice. I mean, yeah. the the depth chart seems to change daily, maybe even during practice. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, and when we talk to Cap and Fedora about, you know, what is most important about the offensive line, it's always about building chemistry and how valuable it is to have players that play alongside each other for multiple years. You know, UNC's best offensive line groups have had, you know, Crowley and Peterson and Heck who've played with each other for, you know, two, three years. So it's hard to build chemistry when Hatton's gone and then uh, Cleo Rogers is gone and he comes back and, you know, RJ Prince, you know what's going on with him and Jerry Cohen missed the whole spring, things like that. So, I mean, it's really hard to build chemistry when you don't know who you're going to have at practice. You don't have consistency of, of who's attending. I think the one guy I, we know who's going to start now is probably Polino. He's the only guy we haven't talked about because he's been steady. He's been with his team for three years now, and he's been slotted up at, uh, I think, what, left left or right guard? I think right guard. Um, left guard. Left guard, okay. And, yeah, but there's just a lack of chemistry now with what's going on with the guards and, and what's going on with the offensive line. So that's the biggest concern with what we saw today and what we've seen the last couple of weeks. Greg Polino, we always talked about if if the offensive line is never mentioned, they're doing their jobs. You don't usually think of it in the practice setting. But Polino and Cam Dillard, well, the addition of Cam Dillard, that's working on being the biggest recruiting get that Larry Fedora's ever had. If this season goes um, as maybe preseason, pre-camp expectations went, don't you think? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you don't have Cam Dillard in there, you have to rely on J.J. McCargo, who's been nicked up this training camp. I mean, the interior of your line would be a serious question mark entering the season. We know they're in, in pretty good shape at the tackle position, even though you know, Spain's, uh, Spain's, Spain's still nicked up a little bit. But on the interior, with, with all these guys kind of coming in and out, yeah, for sure. Having Dillard there, having an experienced guy who's, who's been around the block, nothing's going to phase him. Um, he's becoming kind of a good leader of the team. And then Polino, I mean, I, I do, I agree. I think you have to give him a ton of credit. Uh, we haven't talked about him much just because he's been steady, right? And it, it makes me think a little bit of, of Gene Chizik with Mikey Bart. And we laughed about it at the time, but Mikey was always there, always starting. And Gene was like, look, I can count on him. He's there every day, right? He's not, he's not missing a practice with a hamstring or a sprained ankle. I can count on him. He's dependable. And in the trenches, that is critical. You got to have guys you can rely on. And so the fact that, that Dillard came in clearly is a, a big catch for, for North Carolina. But I agree with Ross that you have to give uh, Polino his props as well. Let me add this about Polino. I mean, he hasn't started a game since he's been at UNC. He played a little bit last year, maybe a, a couple snaps here and there in game. So when you think about here, your, I guess, most valuable guard right now is a guy who hasn't played at all. And with Dillard, I mean, UNC is uh, a one Dillard injury away from a complete meltdown on the message boards. On on the field as well. Yeah. Uh, they, yeah. They're, they're going to have 
issues, uh, you know, injuries happen. But let's talk about briefly, just for a couple minutes, the quarterbacks. You know, it, it's going to be a, a battle. I noticed in y'all's scoop on the message board, you kind of added Chad Surratt into that battle. So that lends credence to y'all's belief that he'll get some playing time in some fashion. But Harris, Elliot, Elliot, Harris, Greg, at this point, um, you know, Jason Staples said a couple of days ago that he didn't expect there to be a decision on a starting position or starter at this point anyway. And at this point, does it really matter who starts against Cal? I think it does. And, you know, there's kind of two trains of thoughts with that. One being, Fedora don't want to tell you anything. Um, he, he wants to keep all this under the under the wraps. So, you know, when opening day comes, he's got his guy he can roll out there and say, hey, hey, you weren't expecting this. Or, hey, nobody knew. I, you know, I don't think Fedora's really trying to do that here. I mean, I believe Fedora when he said, look, we want to name a starter as soon as we can so that they can get extra reps with the one. And if there's any question about that, I mean, he announced Mitch Trubisky as the starter last year after spring ball, right? So Mitch knew and everybody on that team knew that, hey, Mitch is the guy. We all knew it anyway, but he announced that decision. That wasn't something that was kind of leaked out. And so I, I think that's that's kind of an important part of this is, Best case scenario, as we've talked about, would have been for either Harris or you know, whoever to step in, dominate from the get-go, and secure the job. And clearly that has not happened. And so I think it does matter who starts. I, mean, I think if you can have a guy to separate himself, that's good because then you can start letting him kind of become the leader of the team. Because as Fedora said, if you've got three guys competing, none of them can say, hey, this is my team. I'm going to take charge of my team. You don't have that ability without a guy actually knowing it's his job. And I think that's important. I think that's a very key element of the quarterback position is that leadership aspect. And nobody can make that claim now. And so maybe a little bit of it is song and dance, but I really believe that Heckendorf and Fedora, if they could name a guy right now, they would do it. And maybe not even to us, right? They don't have to say it publicly. But there's no indication in talking with any of the players or talking with anybody around the program that a clear decision has been made in terms of how practices are run and who's getting the most reps. Everything's still rotating. And that, more than anything, kind of confirms it to me that this is, this is still a competition. Hey, Greg, do you think they um, name it publicly before Saturday, September 2nd? That's a good question. I would say probably not. It yeah. may come out the, the Monday before the Cal game. But with Fedora not wanting to give anybody hints, I think he'd probably keep that quiet. But again, telling us publicly and letting the team know are two different things, and neither of those have occurred at this point in time, although I do think they will tell the team probably before they tell us. Yeah, I think it, I mean, it just helps their game planning advantage over Cal allowing, I mean, making them kind of game plan for two or three things there with right. Harris and uh, – Elliot, whoever wins it. What I saw, I mean, we saw some video from our time practice on Friday of, of Harris kind of missing on some passes. And I know you made note of this. Um, it seems like he's having some issues with accuracy on short passes, which is definitely concerning for a guy, you know, that I think a lot of us thought initially was going to come in and win the job, at least within the first two weeks, which obviously is not the case now. And a lot of coach speak from Fedora. You know, obviously, I think two weeks in or two however far we're in, there has to be some separation between the four 
you made note of that as, as being between Chaz uh, Elliott or Chaz Surratt, Nathan Elliott and Brandon Harris. So it's, I mean, it's a little dis- disconcerting that, that at least two haven't stepped up and, and been the clear, the clear guys. One, one thing I would say about that is, you know, we chatted about this a little bit after practice, Ross, but you know, it's probably an Elliott Harris race. I think that's fair, but I mean, Chaz Surratt, we knew he had some things to work on, but from from everybody I've talked to, he's continued to improve, and he may not be the guy now, and this may not be his year, uh, but there's something about him that, that has people kind of high on him, and is he a little raw? Sure. Does he have some mechanical flaws he's got to correct? Sure. But, I mean, that being said, you as you mentioned, watching him go through some of the screen pass drills today, I mean, Surratt was on the money. Uh, Elliott was on the money. Harris was not. He he struggled a little bit today. But um, I think the fact that that Surratt has such a upside, such potential, has the coaching staff really wanting to make sure he gets plenty of reps. And that's that's speculation on my part. But that's kind of how I think it is. Is that they know that you know he's he's probably going to be the guy in the future, at least right now. Uh, and they're they're probably trying to get him as much work as they can, looking towards the future. Looking at the defense, Ross, y'all had defense availability with Coach Papuchas. What'd you see? Uh, you've got some discussion in your tidbits about the secondary. Talk to me about who stood out on Friday. I mean, we can't really see much of, of who's like making plays and stuff. But I mean, from what we've talked to and, and seen over the course of the last two weeks, obviously there in the secondary, you have Donnie Miles. You have MJ Stewart and you have Miles Dorn. Those have been the three guys that we've known going into preseason camp are going to be starters. Nothing has changed there. Those are two seniors and a sophomore who I think Fedora called him a veteran already because he got so much playing time as a true freshman. So it's really exciting to see what he can do as a 6'2", big body, athletic, um, free safety back there. And then the real competition is going to be for that second corner spot in that third corner spot where they move into nickel we saw mj playing um some nickel coverage in that slot position today and that kind of third and fourth sorry second and third corner spot it's going to be between kj sales sophomore out of florida Corey bell from charlotte the the junior who some people know already um you got patrice renee who played some last year but it should be between you know those three or four guys and that's kind of the, the most intrigue there is for almost any spot on, on the defense and particularly in the secondary so uh, I think there's some talent. I think there's some youth there. I think there's a lot to be excited about from what Dorn can bring and from what some of the younger guys can bring in stepping into to that role that Des Lawrence had last year. Greg, one thing I, I noticed from the depth chart and from y'all's uh, scoops on the message board is Corey Bell is significantly smaller than everybody else Ross just named. I mean, how does that play into – his use uh, five nine one eighty five is a whole lot different from six two six three two twenty five in the defensive backfield. So how do you foresee them mixing Bell in there? Well, you know, I think a lot of the height stuff's overblown. I mean, Kendrick Burney was one of the best DBs that North Carolina's had in a number of years, right? He's five eight. I think he's listed maybe at five nine, but I think. Would you prefer to have a guy a little bit taller, six foot? Sure. Um, but if there's somebody who has good good hips and good closing speed and can stick with guys, let him play. And he, he played 
a little bit last year. He played primarily on special teams, but we know that he played some at various times, depending on injuries and, and that kind of thing. He played a lot in the Duke game, for example. I think some people, you remember some of the miscues he had on special teams. You know, he's called for a, a roughing the punter at Florida State, which which proved to be kind of a critical thing and had some other things like that. But what that tells you is he was on the field at a very young age playing. And so the coaching staff saw something that they liked about him. Um, he is quick. And you know, is, is that somewhat of a limitation, not being taller? Sure. There's been plenty of good cornerbacks over the years that, that aren't so long and rangy. I mean, you're Dre for Bly a long time. Big. Right, exactly. I mean, Bly is, what, 5'10", maybe, 5'11"? Yeah. Um, it's only been recently that you've seen such an emphasis, really, at the college level of trying to get guys uh, that were you know, a lot taller. And then when you start getting in 6'2", 6'3", sometimes that's not necessarily a good thing for some of those guys out on the edge if, if you know, they don't have the speed to kind of to manage it. So uh, I, I do think it's a little bit overblown, but I think the fact that you, you can use him at the nickelback as a true corner, I mean, he's not a guy that's going to come up and stop the run, of course, but you can also, because he's got experience there, but also uh, out on the edge in that nickelback set as that third corner. I think there's a lot of, a lot of benefits. And you know, if, he's, if he's a guy that's really stood up and stepped up, which apparently he has been because Puchis was very high on him, uh, I think that's a good thing for the secondary. One thing I'll add here, um, the guy I was forgetting was Trey Shaw. Trey Shaw is another cornerback that both Fedora and Papuchas were asked about. He's definitely going to play this year, it sounds like, the freshman out of Georgia. Um, and to paint a picture of the size of these cornerbacks that are on that topic, Patrice Rene is a big guy. He's about 6'2". You know, he's a big physical cornerback. I remember covering his recruitment, and that was kind of what made him stand out so much as a four-star prospect. KJ Sales is a little bit slider, but he's he's ranging about six feet. Um, and then Corey Bell is what five nine we've said five eight five nine, and Trey Shaw is probably more in the five eleven, a little bit slider range. But yeah, I agree. I mean, I think quickness and technique is far more important than size. Almost at every position in football, I mean, quickness is is super valuable when you get to this level. So it should be interesting to see there. I just remember seeing Bug Howard just take advantage of kids a lot smaller than him, especially down at the Pittsburgh game, for example. Um, so that's why I brought the t- topic up. It'll be interesting to see how they use Bell. I was going to say, just to add another name, uh, Charlie Brown. Uh, yeah, he started a number of years at UNC, three years. He was 5'9". So it, he could that, also that hit like a truck. Well, right, for sure. But, you know, if, if we're just talking about height, you know, he was a kid who played on one of the best, probably the best defense at North Carolina since those 96-97 teams as a starting cornerback in 2009. And, you know, both cornerbacks on that team were 5'8 were or 5'9. And let me add this tidbit real quick. I spoke to KJ Sales over the summer at one of the prospect camps. And I was like, hey, KJ, who's going to start at that, that second or third corner spot? He's like, oh, I'm going to start. That's my spot. So KJ Scale, Sales, you ever spoke to him? He's a great personality, very confident player that a lot of the his teammates like so he's had a baby like last weekend too so i think that's the guy to really watch to, to kind of have a, a decent or a breakout year and at least earn a lot of time at that second or third corner spot ross just to wrap the show let's do what we've done in the past give me one topic that maybe we hadn't talked about that you saw on friday or or this week um heading into the weekend and what you'll be looking for next week 
I mean, I asked a little bit about the pass rush this this season. I know Greg is, is going to do something on Dewan Drennan later in the week, too. So I think there's some excitement there with a guy like Taman Fox, Malik Carney, of course, Dewan Drennan coming back fully healthy. Tyler Powell, you know, those defensive ends, I think, have a chance to be a lot better than what we've seen in the last two or three years. Add in the fact that Papuchas, I think, wants to be a lot more aggressive. And I think his team can be more aggressive because of what they have behind them. So a guy like Fox and Carney, as those kind of speed rush ends, should be really exciting to see how much pressure they can get on the quarterback and what type of plays they can make in the backfield in terms of tackles for a loss. Because Fox came in, you know, he was a he was a top recruit. He had national offers, Notre Dame, Georgia. I mean, a lot of teams really wanted him. So I think those two guys and the whole kind of defensive line and how they progress and the true impact they can make at Lopez's hype is going to be something, you know, obviously going to watch the first couple games. Greg, you're up. Well, I, I'll just expand a little bit on what Ross said. I mean, I think the the defense has kind of survived the training camp to this point. And for my concern about the offense, as I mentioned earlier, about things needing to go just right and it hasn't happened, the defense really just needed to avoid injury. And I know we still got a week to go of training camp, so you kind of knock on wood that, that things stay healthy. But everybody's healthy. I mean, Cole Holcomb's a little bit necked up. Every, all expectations are he'll be ready to go for the season opener. But just watching the defensive line position group today, I mean, their entire two deep is healthy and running around making plays. And then you got you know, Jordan Riley's competing for playing time on the T deep. So that's a positive. And then you got your, you know, your two deep at linebackers in place. And so when you've got your front seven secured, in the two deep secured. When's the last time we've been able to say that about a North Carolina defense? It's been a long time. And the fact that they are at this place and they're, everybody's uh, doing well, I think that really bodes well for what this defense can do early. They're going to need to uh, because the offense, unless they make some significant strides over these last two weeks, they're going to have some hiccups early. But maybe the defense can you know, make that step forward that we've talked about because everything right now is, is kind of working in their favor. We'll call this the Greg Barnes jinx if something happens to the defense in the I, next two weeks. I don't believe in jinxes, so bring it on. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's it's like opposite day. I mean, Carolina's defense is set and the offense is struggling. It's 2017 is what it is. Guys, enjoy your weekend. Appreciate you joining me today. Thanks, Tommy. See you, Tommy. Thanks for listening to InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting.